Hello, and welcome to RPG PodQuest, the show that's not only about RPGs, but is an RPG. I am Future, the newest host on the show, and with me this evening are my two co-hosts. Please introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Shotgun. I'm Nick. <laughs> how you going? Yeah, I was, I was going to see how long we would just uh, awkwardly hold on that. I'm Evan. Hi, everybody. All right, so let's get to it then, shall we? It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on the pod. I was having some personal time in the mountains to de-stress from everything, but I'm so glad to be back. You were de-stressing. You were de-stressing from this podcast. Let's be honest. Yeah, one episode uh, yeah. in. I, I just like the idea of de-stressing in the mountains. I'm just imagining you up there in a cabin. Yeah, pretty much. Or or sitting underneath a waterfall. Yeah. I spent yeah. most of it in a hot tub, just like with a drink in my hand and just not doing anything. Hey. Perfect. But it's hey, interesting... we we were recording a podcast, okay? <laughs> While you were relaxing, all right? It was really stressful yeah, for us. We had to play so video games during the week. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how unpleasant that is? I do. I do. Well, tell us all about it, but first, let's get into news. Um, yeah, um, Square, um, Sony had their state of play this week, and some stuff coming out of left field, especially from Square Enix. Yeah, this was like, this was like the Square Enix, uh, uh, presents, right? I mean, it was more their stuff. Uh, they had four games in that presentation? Yes. And And I have to say... I squealed like a little girl when they saw the new Valkyrie. I saw the new Valkyrie game. Like, I love that series to bits and pieces. And every game that has imitated its combat has, um, I'm not going to say they were bad, but they didn't have that certain je ne sais quoi, as the French would say. Well, I'm I mean, curious. Uh, I'm curious, Future. What games would you say maybe have emulated this, uh, the Valkyrie style of combat or, or gameplay systems? Um, Exist Archive came out for the PS4 and Vita. I played okay. the Vita because Vita means life. Uh, one of the Super Neptunia games did a similar battle system. And uh, off the top of my head, I can't, th- I can't think of the other one, but I know there's another one out. Um, but the last time the Valkyrie series did a genre switch, they gave us Covenant of the Plume, which is like my second favorite uh, SRPG of all time. So I'm cautiously optimistic to see how they do an action RPG. Yeah, because this this did really I was I was a bit surprised to see that it was action combat. Mm hmm. Uh, They always had that element in there, but not the focus, as it were. Um, and I'm I'm curious. I mean, do you know which Neptunia RPG was uh, was similar? Oh yeah. Um, I've only played it's one. Called, it's called Super Neptunia RPG. Oh, okay. Well, that's the one that I played, and it's yeah. I've got that here and it somewhere. Sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's pretty much my takeaway on any of those neptunia games i've tried look, to play look at this point in my gaming career anything from idea factory or Copile heart i just sit back and let the big numbers wash over me that's all i'm here for uh yeah i i don't really know <clears throat> i don't know what to say about about uh the neptunia games but that was my first foray like- into them do you and feel it, like you should be on a watch list for having played them? 
Uh, no, because I didn't enjoy it in any way. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was my first game, and I think it's going to be my last. I don't think I'm ever going to come back to this series. Yeah, I think that's where I'm sitting as uh, well. But aside from this new, what was it, Val? Uh, Valkyrie, what was the name of this one? Uh, Valkyrie uh, Elysium. Elysium. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, we also saw another new announcement. Well, we saw a triangle in 3D, like a 3D triangle strategy. Here comes the Dio Field Chronicles. That's pretty much all it is, right? It's just, I mean, uh, yes, okay, it's a strategy RPG, but it looked like a triangle strategy. It's real time, so I guess this is Square going, oh, hey, Growlancer hasn't been around for a while. Let's make that a thing. I didn't want to be the one to have to say the name out loud because, frankly, it's embarrassing. It's true. It it looked nice, though, but I think we need more strategy-ish RPGs that aren't a medieval yeah well but Mm -hmm. that's the weird thing about this one though is that they were like oh yeah it's fantasy but it's kind of also got like modern setting vibes to it too i mean pretty sure they were like fighting on a street at some point like a more modern looking Mm. street i don't know this game looked weird i i guess i'd be kind of curious to like play it just because it's a it's real time um but Mm -hmm. I would be curious to see how Square Enix pulls off real-time strategy. I did play, what was it, Final Fantasy XII Revenant Wings? Yes, the DS spinoff. Which was real-time strategy. And, uh, well, to call back to uh, something that I said previously in this episode, and it sucked! Well, look, if you wanted to give that a try, try getting one of the Growlancer games. Um, They are strategy rpgs that all play out in real time and they're very they're fun but the art style is very anime like steal yourself i mean we seem to be in a era of like strategy renaissance right we've got front mission coming back we've got this thing we've got triangle strategy among others it seems like a good time to be a strategy fan I say, hopefully we still have Mario and Rabbids 2 coming at some point this I year, know. but it's been extremely I quiet, know. like alarmingly well, so. the pandemic tend to put a crimp on that. But yes, no, I need more because I love the first one, and I need more. And also, I would like to have two humans in a party. Where that are we is my about? Uh, for, Mario and Rabbids? For Mario and Rabbids, yeah. Uh, couldn't, you, the couldn't, first you all, one, couldn't you have no, the Mario fir- and Luigi? Well, the first one had Mario locked... And then you had a, had to have a second slot for a rabbit, so you couldn't just do, you couldn't do Luigi, Peach, and Rabbit Luigi. It was always oh cool Mario I guess, but like, really? come on, I don't yeah. That. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, I guess you would know better than I would, but I I, I don't seem to re- recall that. I played through it a couple of months ago, so maybe that's why it's, it's kind of fresh in my mind. Yes, I, I I will I will gladly bravely default to you. All right. Um, <clears throat> and speaking uh, of Square Enix uh, stuff, we have one more little announcement uh, that happened li- uh, late this week, right? Uh, which was the mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger PC yeah. upgrade. Yeah, nothing major, but you know, with Chrono Cross remastery thing coming out in the next month, I thought this was just interesting. What I've just got the list here: widescreen support, auto battle speed save slots increased 
Nothing major, but yeah, yeah, nice. That's been out a while, hasn't it? So, so jump on. Square just go back all of a yeah. sudden? I'm like, yeah. okay, like, sure, I'll take it. Yeah, even though, you know, again, looking at screenshots, uh, some of the character portraits were still really fuzzy. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, some, some person was bringing up qualms with half pixels um, in the environments. I mean, listen, people mm. are going to rage about whatever they can, but uh, mm-hmm. I... I don't know, you know, Chrono Trigger looks great. Uh, it's a great looking game. So, you know, sometimes these aesthetic upgrades kind of detract from the coziness of that game. It's got a, yeah, it's really got its own style. So if you start taking yeah. away from it in any way. Uh, anyway, I mean, I don't know if any of you, I don't know if you guys are going to be jumping back into it. I might pull out my, uh, my old DS version, to be honest, just because I'd like to go back. I, I, I think... Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I have the PC one. I might just jump on and just have a look to see what it looks like. I but, might yeah. do it if I if I hit that quest for the short RPG or whatever, because you can kind of blow through Chrono Trigger pretty quickly. And I It's been a long enough time that I've actually played it, but it's not exactly a like a hard plot to remember. I'd be like, oh, let me experience it again. No, it's all... it's I've played it enough times to know the story beats. Yeah, I think, again, if I were to go back to it, I would probably just be playing uh, a new game plus um, and maybe try to get one of those alternate endings. But uh, yeah, perfect. It's valid. Uh, So with all that being said, I mean, I guess we can we can go into new games, what we've been playing. Future, do you want to uh, start us off? Yeah, um, this week I was working a lot so i only I, I did some light touches of stuff nothing in depth um i just bought myself an xbox series s and so with that i was playing some stuff on game pass because it's a really good deal uh, first up uh, dodgeball academia because i have a secret love of sports rpgs because i like sp- i like sports manga excellent but like I'm a nerd, so I'm not really athletic, and and it's just fun to see get that get that over the top storytelling style in a video game, and it's really fun. It's a world that revolves around dodgeball, and they go all in on the concept. Um, I'm having fun with it. That's all I can really say. Besides that, I checked out the game we you talked about last time I was on the pod, Evan. Um, sorry, um, Nick. Um, Nobody saves the world. And, um, well done, well done. It's really fun. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna play some more of it tonight after this. It's it's really clever, and I think it's just it's it's got a very tidy aesthetic. It's it's snappy. It's just it controls well. And it's colorful, especially when you're jumping. Yeah, it is. It just really looks nice. Um, the other thing I've been playing this week, uh, the last minute demo released for Final for Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin which I already have bought the special edition. I'm excited to play it. And since the progress carries over, I was like, oh, I'll play it for a couple hours and get started. And so far, I'm enjoying it. But also, I put myself on the lowest difficulty setting because I am a working adult who's also going to school full time. I don't have time to master a character action game. But so far, so good. The controls are very responsive, and I'm excited to see where the plot goes mm. from here. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a character action game. I mean, isn't it really more of a... I mean, I, I guess I've heard a lot of people compare it most closely to Neo. 
I mean, I would characterize Neo as a character action game. Is that you're not really, you're not really doing like a role. That's like an RPG ish thing. And it's also it's it's Team Ninja that's working on it. Like, that's their bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's valid. I just I thought that Neo was kind of their answer to Soulsy sort of combat and whatnot. And I mean, when I think of Final Fantasy, at least you know what this game is attempting to be. It feels to me more like a uh, a Soulsian approach to to the original Final Fantasy story. But who's played it? So I defer to you. <laughs> but I will have more to say probably next week, because by then the full thing will have unlocked. Um, Nick, why don't you talk about some stuff that you've tried out this week? Certainly, but I will touch on quickly with the Dodgeball Academia because I have doubled in that myself. Um, I just had some flashbacks to a dodgeball game on the Game Boy Advance yes. I remember playing super growing up. Dodgeball? I've just looked it up. Yes, su- Super Dodgeball Advance, released by Atlas. So, <laughs> um, really fun game. And in that manga aesthetic of just having ridiculous power-up moves. Um, but no, I have um, not been playing a lot, but I have been watching a lot of Initial D. <laughs> So sort of in that realm of the sports animes, I've just, I, I love that. Un- my favorite, I think the underdog who just is great and better than anyone else, but is kind of a bit apathetic about being involved in the sport. Um, it is always a great one. Like Yo- Mushi Pedal is one of my favorite animes for that reason. You might like checking out uh, Skate the Infinity. I, I think I have it on my list. I will... Uh, <laughs> It's a sports manga about skateboarding, and the characters are incredibly over the top. Excellent. But no, I, um, I, I've had a, a bit of a quiet week too. Been playing, uh, still been playing a lot of Trails um, in the Sky during the week. Been watching a lot of anime. Played a bit of Risk of Rain too with some friends online, which was good. Um, but from an RPG perspective, I, um, we, there's the Humble Bundle Games for Ukraine um, bundle that's out at the moment. So, you know, spend $10 and get pretty much like a thousand games. Um, so I, I picked that up and I, I had a drill through there on just some of the RPGs that were in that collection. And I just wanted to highlight really just three of them that I sort of picked out um, that were quite good. One was called Littlewood. I haven't had as much time with this one as the other two, but it's essentially a Harvest Moon Animal Crossing um, village builder. Uh, really nice style, sort of a a colorful you know snes aesthetic but really just sort of got that vibe if you're in your harvest moons your stardew valleys are worth looking at it's just quite nice other than that though the two standouts i spotted were backspace boken which is a dungeon crawling typing game with graphics akin to like sort of a a, a 19 early 1990s pc rpg so effectively it's a dungeon crawler you know you've got that first person view as you're working through the world when you're encountering enemies you've got to type the conversation that the bad guy is sort of having with you and that's how you do your damage so it's not like a typing of the dead where you're just typing words you are typing full-on sentences and paragraphs and there'll be little things like early on you need to enter a dungeon to do that. You need the password, but someone else in the world, you know, you've spoken to them and they're like, I think the password is this. So you've of course just got to type the password in. Um, very simple, but it's, it's just 
quite nice and um, has a, a very strange aesthetic. It is, like I said, a early 1990s PC sort of graphical style. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a dungeon crawler. And if you're uh, ever looking for a typing game, I think it's uh, worth. But the real winner is a strategy RPG game called Gunbare. It is turn-based <laughs> strategy soccer. So, and it's it, this is like, I'm surprised I've never heard of this one because it looks like the full package, like design, you know, gameplay, audio, everything is at a professional level. And I was really impressed by this one. So basically you get out there and you're playing soccer, but you take... So when it's your turn, you have to move all your characters. You can take two actions and it might be move forward two squares on the board. So they've effectively turned the soccer pitch into a board. Or it might be move forward one and pass the ball to someone else. So what you can start to do, because if I, say, decide to use my the guy with the ball first, I move him forward one, I pass the ball to someone else, I then get them to move forward one or two and then pass it so you can actually really move up the pitch in your in your single turn and then where it gets interesting is maybe i'm going to pass the ball you then get presented like the percentage chance of this pass landing because it might be that one of the squares in line of the pass there's a there's an enemy player there so you might go okay well instead of doing a standard pass i'm going to use one of my special skills which might have a 20 percent chance of inflicting sleep on the opposing player if they try to intercept the ball during my pass. So I haven't played a lot, but it, there's just in the two games I did play, there's a hell of a lot of depth there. There's a story mode as well. So that's why I was really surprised. There's a story mode, there's arcade mode. It's, um, you know, single single computer co-op. I'm um, sorry, not co-op versus um, possible. Controller, keyboard support. I, I definitely think I had a quick look on... Steam, I think it's available there. Or maybe that was Littlewood, but most of these are... I just got them off itch.io. So I, I think definitely if any of those three, if you're after a Harvest Moon-esque, a, a typing dungeon crawler or a, or a strategy RPG, um, sort of in the realms of that, you know, that sport RPG, and it does have that real chaotic, like, oh, look at these power-ups and moves we've got. I think either of those three were... Yeah, I was really impressed by the quality of them. And I think often when I've looked on itch.io, I, I don't, I'm not great with the search engine. So I end up just finding some real <laughs> janky stuff. So I, I, I was quite surprised by how sort of well, well packaged and well formulated um, these, these three all were. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing major, just sort of dabbling in a few things there. So hopefully, Evan, hopefully you bring some weight to the conversation. You've actually been playing something. Oh yeah, you know me. Um, <laughs> I I'm a I'm a heavy I'm a I'm a very serious gamer. I, I game uh, with heavy controllers. Uh, heavy gaming, good. Still battalion <laughs> controller setup, modded for right. everything. That's right. The only way to play potato flowers in full bloom is with a, uh, a nice rig, mech warrior rig. Dare I say? Um, but we briefly touched on uh, the demo for this game releasing last week. I actually had some time to sink into this one, and I kind of love it. Um, you need to understand that I'm a big fan of Etrian Odyssey, and there's something about the aesthetic of 
that dungeon crawling series in particular, which is very cozy. It's got great music, um, you know, uh, and again, I'm blanking on the composer's name, but very storied uh, composer uh, from, you know, uh, from Falcon stuff, uh, did a lot of East uh, material, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but uh, yeah, to me, a dungeon crawler really just needs to have a lot of charm in terms of its, its aesthetics. And that's something that I feel with a lot of the dungeon crawlers that I've played on Switch um, has been kind of lacking. And so to kind of have this game come out of nowhere and end up being a first-person per- dungeon crawler, until you engage with an enemy, then the perspective kind of shifts to a isometric, uh, I mean, three quarters uh, style perspective uh, where you have your three sort of playable characters fighting whatever amount of enemies you're up against. Um, it It's just, it's doing all the right things to me. These uh, character models are extremely cute. They're simplistic. Uh, one of the first characters in the demo that you can play as is an ogre. And I almost didn't really know that he was one because he was so adorable. Um, but the way that Potato Flowers, I guess, works is the the plot premise is you're trying to find these seeds. I would think that they are, in fact, for Potato Flowers. Uh, and they are at the bottom of a labyrinth that you're trying to explore. So you're going through this dungeon. Uh, you're, you know, setting off uh, certain, I, I guess, puzzles Uh, But you're also trying to unlock shortcuts, which I think is really one of the most important things that any dungeon crawler can do Mm -hmm. well, right, is kind of create looping paths uh, back on itself. So you feel like you can get back to whatever it was that you were exploring really easily. Um, And the way or the reason that they, they justify, you know, you not being able to stay in the dungeon for long is you have a torch, uh, which by lighting and and uh, extinguishing you actually get rid of more fuel than just lighting it and kind of walking around uh, with it so it's not something you want to keep like turning on and off as you're exploring uh, instead you kind of go as far as you can uh, on the map with uh, with your torch in hand and I actually think one of the really charming things about the game is you can't view the dungeon map uh, unless your characters are actually in a well-lit dungeon square Uh, so if you like go down a hallway that is slightly dark you can't actually look at the map i think it's cute some people might uh, find uh, ire with it but um, also what this does too is every time you leave to kind of refill your torch as well as rest up your heroes uh, to go back uh, into things it resets the enemies So you can either kind of go through uh, whatever loop you started with and kind of grind a little bit, or you can decide to cut a path right to where you were last. Um, It's really nice. I'm liking it a lot. I might have more to say about it in the near future. But the demo... Yeah, I'm really liking the... No, I'm just saying, I was just looking at some pictures of the battle. Like The isometric view is really nice. Just the way they've displayed the battle. It's Breath of Fire vibes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, and the battles too, 
the the neat thing is the enemies kind of telegraph their attacks, but it's so I guess Rochambeau rock paper scissory that if you fail to defend an attack, your uh, character is either going to lose a buttload of health or they might even die. So you really do need to be very very stringent and specific with the kinds of moves that you're using. Uh, there's a rest function where you can regain uh, stamina so that you can con- continue using skills. Um, it's really neat stuff. And then there's also a row system too, right? So the enemy that's furthest away, or even enemies that are flying, um, can be out of reach for some of your uh, characters. And so you kind of want to get rid of other enemies uh, so that you can get that uh, individual closer so you can take it out. So it's uh, it, you know simplistic looking. But it's definitely got all the materials that you would want out of something that you're going to sink a whole lot of time into. And uh, to be honest, I think that's probably what I'm going to be doing. Okay, good to know. And um, by the way, I looked up the composed for Etrian Odyssey, Yuzo Koshiro. That's right, yes. I knew it was Yuzo. I didn't want to misname uh, Koshiro, but again, one of my favorite uh, composers just in general. Um, so I guess I probably have a little bit of a bias towards uh, Etrian Odyssey there. I mean, it's a great series. Um, so where you know where's the next one, Nintendo? Make it happen. Uh, well, that's more of a, it's more on Atlas, right? And uh, yeah, I know. I just, I just need my I need an Etrian Odyssey three untold to finish the trilogy out. Yeah, well, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be a Switch game, right? But um, you know, to me, again, once you kind of take the map drawing out of Etrian Odyssey, it kind of loses a whole lot of its personality. And I wonder if they'd be able to pull that off on the Switch now that it doesn't have that dual screen function. You're you're right. I will have to just see how they implement it because I feel, I feel that's one of the core aspects of the series. Most definitely, yeah. I definitely agree. Um, so, you know, again, I've also been sinking some time into uh, Xenoblade which uh, I'm up to Aerith C now, uh, kind of getting into the political intrigue. Uh, easy mode has been a blessing, especially for, for keeping the attention of, uh, of my partner. Um, and of course, I did sink a little bit more time into a certain game that I'll be talking about once we get into our quest. Um, on the, I did um, load up my Wii U during the week and uh, nice, got Xenoblade nice. Chronicles X downloaded. So it's it's there. It's ready to go for when we do our deep dive. You session. just say the word, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready okay. for it. I'm ready to dedicate an episode to it. But, uh, so Evan, oh wait, uh, uh, just now that you're at the air with C, who do you find yourself using for party composition the most right now? Uh, great question. Um, you know, again, as someone who's really familiar with this game and has sunk a lot of time into customizing these characters, I mean. You know, you can set up your tank uh, healer DPS sort of system if you really want to, um, or you can just be so good that you never get hit, right? Uh, so I really like to invest in the naked Dunban build mm-hmm. early on. Um, that's uh, that's a favorite of mine. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. who, who doesn't? It's those, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm behind the naked Dunban strategy for sure. Um and, you know, as of right now, I've kind of got him, uh, you know, taking point and kind of bouncing aggro back and forth between Shulk and Ricky. Um, I really like Ricky a lot, although early on, he doesn't have a lot of the arts that really, to me, make him 
a whole lot mm-hmm. of fun. You know, getting more debuffs on your enemy and then kind of wiping them all away for massive damage is one of my favorite things to do with him. It's so much fun. I do like Sharla. Yeah, I do like Sharla a whole lot too, but uh, I like to build her so that she can be very offensive. Um, you know, saying lots of uh, of uh, really offensive things. <laughs> no, um, but I, I do like to give her a little bit of power. But obviously, if you're ever rocking Sharla on your team, you're probably not going to have to worry about uh, survivability mm-hmm. all that much. So, you know, balancing things between Dunvan, Ricky, and Shulk, I think, is fun. And I think at, at this point, I mean, you're not seeing a whole lot of Telethia so you don't have to use Monado uh, Seal all that much. So I might actually end up switching him out. Um, but again, I'm at the point where I can't use Melia yet um, whenever I want. Uh, she's so but good. Mage, oh, I love her playstyle. Yeah. The mage uh, gameplay in this game is really one of my favorite things about it. And so as soon as I can grab her again, uh, I'm probably going to spend a whole lot of time playing as her. Um you're either switching her or Dunban out because if you can spam Blossom Dance, you should spam Blossom Dance. <laughs> I I usually tend to run Melia, Dunban, Ricky because I was just like, okay, we're just going to tear through everything and anything hits us, we die, but right, yeah. they have to hit that's us a, first. That's a really good point. And that's, that's a, a party composition that I like a whole lot. Um, I just, again, I find Ryan to be, he kind of loses his appeal once you have Dunban on your team. And I mean, if you really, if you really love the protagonist, you can rock Shulk for a while. But uh, I like it when you can really start using his more unique Monado arts in like the very late game. Uh, So the last game that I just wanted to touch on really quickly, because we've still got quests to get into, is Neurodeck. I feel like it's been too long since I have referenced a deck-building roguelike on this uh, podcast, so this is my this is is my penance uh, for that. This is the the, uh, usual uh, deal for me. So Neurodeck is all about uh, a a couple of people, uh, a pair actually, who are struggling with phobias, but also just uh, are not in a good place mentally. And the way that they're dealing with it is by engaging with a video game that allows them to go into their mind. And that is the neuro deck. And so you kind of go into this dreamlike state where you start looking back at memories you've experienced. You, uh, you also, you know, think about certain places of comfort, but eventually you have to fight enemies, and those come in the form of phobias. The way that phobias are depicted in this game is really fascinating, and I don't think that screenshots do this game any justice, because uh, the game itself does have a lot of kind of like bobbing uh, sort of artwork, but it's not in a way that feels lazy. Uh, The animations are really... I don't know, disturbing and enthralling. And I got to say the sound design for this game is deeply unsettling, but also very engaging because of that. Um, I will admit I've played this game a couple of times right before bed and I ended up having some pretty weird dreams. So I don't know if that's, uh, if that's a, a point of <laughs> praise or not, 
But uh, <laughs> I really like this game a lot. It does some really unique things. And I guess if we had time to talk about the unique elements of the deck building roguelike genre, I would get into them. But for now, I'm just going to say it does unique things. I haven't yet reached the point where I feel like I'm struggling, but I'm hoping that'll come soon. All right. I'm going to check that out myself because it's on sale in the Switch eShop this week. And For sure. I love yeah, me a that's deal. That's definitely why I picked it up. So have either of you ever sat there when there's a big Switch sale on and gone through like when there's 1,200 games and scrolled through the entire list? Because I have, and it's painful. No. Oh, no, well. <laughs> because I, I use a third-party uh, website lame, to organize all that. Um Deku deals? Yeah, that's that's the way to do it because God, the Switch eShop user interface is absolutely I, awful. I think what I do like about doing it on the Switch though is just when I see something that's like, oh, what's that? Just hovering over and getting the, the slideshow of screenshots immediately. Yeah, that has been nice. That's... But I, I wish that they would do something to really streamline that that user interface because it's I mean, it chugs hard. My kingdom for folders. Which I think for like the first two or so years of the Switch's life, my wish, wish list was looking really good because, you know, all the new releases, I was sort of checking it every two, three days. But now it's like every day another 30 games are being added. And I'm like, I don't have the time to sit there and look at every single thing. Yeah, I think added. over 40 games were added to the shop this week, which again, Jeez. I'm not going to say that every single one of those was a banger, but uh, that's still a pretty... But AAA clock is the game we all need <laughs> but i will say again you know five years into the system's life that's still a pretty uh, uh impressive uh claim to make uh so with that out of the way i I'll, although i guess I, the last thing that i will say is i do love me the random extreme deal on the switch like picking up um <laughs> gorilla faction uh remarstered for two dollars or saints row uh i think Saint, oh, saints yeah, row yeah. the fourth saints row four yeah. when yeah perfect that, or even things like when like the Baldur's gate collection it's like been at 89 dollars just goes down to like 12 dollars it's like yeah just just you know here two three days 12 dollars <laughs> it's yours take it sometimes you just you really you say to yourself is it ever gonna get any better than this <laughs> and uh i haven't played saints row yet but i do own it that's what i will say uh, excellent so i guess we can get into our quests uh nick you started us off so why don't we start with future it's your first quest oh, tell gosh. us a little bit about it okay well i rolled a four last week so i'm talking about an rpg with the most slash a very immersive world and my pick is gonna have to be i'm technically counting two games but I'm a host, so I'm making the rules. I'm going to go with the Botan Kaitos duology on the GameCube. Um, it's a game in which the world is an archipelago of floating islands in the sky, and everything revolves around magic cards called Magnus that can store the essence of things. And these form the entirety of the game systems. They are your attacks. They are your armors they are the way you make money because you don't just sell stuff you take pictures onto cards and then sell those after the fact and it's just a thing where they can get really weird and wild with the setting um there's one town that looks like it's made out of clay 
and it's just something that I love to bits and pieces. And Nintendo, please, 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 please do a remaster for the Switch. I will pay the $60. I will pay $70. I just love these games. Give them to me. I'm making little grabby hands, so make it happen. Yep. No, I so I, I actually started playing um, Beta and Kados just the other week. So for your sake, future, I love the GameCube. I, in the last 10 minutes, just lost an auction for a GameCube steering wheel. So I'm now slightly annoyed with myself. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Yep. Moving on. Um, but yes, so I, I've, I was playing a bit of Baden Kados recently. Um, I never really played it on the GameCube. So at the time, I I wasn't heaps into RPGs. I got into Tales of Symphonia and that sort of really kicked things off, but I didn't really know what else was available or what was around. Makes sense. So, yeah, but no, I've got them now. I've, I've picked them up recently, and I do have them sitting there on my list. I, my only problem, I find them a bit... They're, they're a bit hard to look at <laughs> at the moment. So I'm almost tempted. I've got them sitting there. I'm like, I might not feel guilty if I just load them up on the PC and run them that way so that they look a lot nicer. But, yeah. It's, it's an interesting, and there was quite a few, like, it was time to be alive if you loved your card-based mechanic RPGs, because you had Baden Kados, you had Lost Kingdoms, you had Fantasy Star Online Episode 3. The Yu-Gi-Oh! Really RPG a, for the yeah, GameCube? just a, ver- a very strange time. So did you, did you play these games back when... They came out? When they were released? Yes, yeah. I did. I, I will definitely, like, you know how pixels and whatnot were the dominant retro aesthetic for a while for me it's always going to be that sixth generation polygonal 3d as like my comfort and nostalgia i just think that the wave of like single and double a rpgs that were created during that time were just so interesting because companies could flex a little bit and try out weird ideas um and i loved my gamecube to bits and pieces so I had Paper Mario, I had um, Fantasy Star, I had Baden Kaitos, and it was Baden Kaitos especially triggered for me as a kid because it was so out there. Like the fact that I, the player, was a character in the game, was just so mind blowing as a kid because I was mm. like, oh, I'm involved in the plot, like me, I'm important. That's weird but really cool, and. The sequel, Baden Kaito's Origins, has my favorite party dynamic in all of RPGs. It's a set party of three. You have a lady, you have a guy, and you have a you have a indeterminate gender creature. And they bicker, and they fight, and they care for each other, and it's just really well done character writing. 10 out of 10, no notes. Would you say, like, if I'm looking to jump into one of them, is it is it okay to start with number two, or really should I start with number one? Well... Because I think I've started number one way too many times, and I've played, like, that first two hours, and then kind of just life gets in the way, and now I've played it about 15 times, okay. and I've gotten past that. So, they, they play very differently, in that, you know, in the first one, you're assembling poker hands. This one, it's more like war or blackjack and also the whole party shares a deck so you're just basically going one two three four five as fast as you can trying to like keep the combo going versus the more methodical gameplay of the sequel but it does set up some interesting plot stuff i would be interested to see how you interpret the plot of the first game having played through the second because they kind of feed into each other in in a cyclical way okay 
and two is a prequel, right? Yes. So I will say I tried, well, first off, I love that you both have your own specific pronunciations for this, so let me give it a whack. Um, I first tried playing uh, Batine uh, Kaitos. Um, Oof. Oof. <laughs> back when I was in college, uh, and a friend recommended that I, I, I try playing um, and this this game has a uh, you know very particular aesthetic that was used a lot with your fifth and sixth generation, um, although it kind of was phased out a little bit in the sixth generation of RPGs. But that that whole idea of having the pre rendered uh, background with the three uh, D models kind of moving throughout or uh, into uh, that that sort of setting. I mean, I'm I'm not wrong in saying that, right? Correct. Um, and I was never really a fan of that all that much. So that should tell you a whole lot about my, my early, uh, tastes in RPGs. Um, but for some reason, again, as a, as a big Magic the Gathering, uh, enthusiast, I really bounced off the combat system of the first game. And I, I don't feel like I gave it a fair shake. I would love to, again, uh, pick up some sort of remaster of these games and really give that a try again. And I mean, hey, these are monolith soft games. You know, why why not uh, give this another uh, run for its money, right? But um, I'm glad to hear that that both of you have uh, at least attempted uh, to play this series. Uh, I can't really say the same, but I'm glad that we have someone who who is is willing to. Uh, support it yeah and uh, my problem is I've, I've got them sitting just on my continuous bucket list those skies of arcadia um fantasy star online version 3 as well just sitting there of i need to play these at some point but it's just i start playing them and i'm like you know what i could go play a, a modern rpg and i can fast forward i can save i can do whatever i want whereas here i'm really just held to saving when it tells me to and it's so slow and cumbersome and then i move my gamecube and tinker with it and then play something else they were definitely young people's rpgs people who had a lot of time uh for for that sort of thing but yeah it could definitely use some quality of life upgrades the last thing I want to say before we switch over to someone else's quest, my favorite fact about Baton Kaitos, the first one, a 100% speedrun of the game has to take 78 hours to complete because um, one card can only be acquired by having a peach sit in your inventory for 50, 60 hours until it transforms twice into its final form. And I'm just like, okay, so you really just put that in there expecting insane people to make it to get that card love that for you guys that's why i'll never be speed running this game yeah uh all right well i guess uh, you know what i'll get my quest out of the way really quickly i'm still stuck in my boss battle and you know what i'm gonna continue to fight this boss because it's been really tough to play this game. And I say that not because I've had a whole lot of other things on my plate. It's because playing this game is like torture to me. Uh, so again, Future, if you're not familiar with uh, with Mass Effect 3, or I mean, you are familiar with it, right? Yes. 
I was not familiar with with the series or the gameplay of the series. Uh, so seeing that it was a pretty bland uh, cover based third person shooter with some light team building mechanics uh, early on was not the greatest first impression. Um, but then, <laughs> then they had to artificially ratchet up tension with a chase sequence. And that right there really hit me hard in terms of my enthusiasm for this game. Uh, so I hate uh, I hate this sort of thing uh, when it does happen. Uh, when, you know, oh, uh, let me just climb this ladder so I can initiate the next part of this chase sequence. Um, that's, that's never really something that I enjoy all that much. Yeah, it's a massive product of its time. And I'm assuming, Evan, at the time you weren't playing a lot of Xbox games. <laughs> no. So, no, I was not. You know, cover shooters being the hot ticket item they were at the time with Gears of War coming out and then sort of evolving from that. There's probably a lot of, uh, a lot of the, almost like if you gave someone a copy of Mario to play now and they're like, why wouldn't I jump in the fire? <laughs> just because but you know there's no ingrained learning there right um but but also i oh yeah, i'm never one for cinematic gameplay if it were which is why i steer clear from a lot of the mainstream sony titles at the moment sure just, well, yeah and all yes, and also on. evan you're coming in to the end of a story with no investment in the plot or anything when people have put in you know multiple game playthroughs of these games they've write, written fanfic they've done all this stuff and this is the culmination so they were a little lighter on the world building stuff because you're betting on your pre-existing fondness for the series kind of doing the load bearing so yeah if you haven't read 300 pages of shepherd garris fanfic have you even really played the Mass Effect series? I mean, that's... look, we all want to bone down with Garrus, okay? Like that's just that's just a human like that's just a thing that proves I have a a heart and blood pumping in my veins. It? It's in there, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, <laughs> I I I'm playing as a femship right now, uh, Good. and I have I've apparently some sort of. Uh, get the job done kind of uh, hardened hero. Um, and I keep trying to make choices that, you know, kind of fall in line with that characterization, but I'm also kind of finding it uh, a little bit hard because, well, you know, this game's reputation for me personally is that, you know, you can um, romance a lot of people in it. <laughs> <laughs> so Ooh, you know <laughs> depth use of the of verbiage there sure um so you know i a part of me wants to be the battle-hardened uh, kind of cold uh, sort of soldier who's who's kind of done with this fight but uh on the other hand i'm just kind of like well you know Maybe I should try to take advantage of as many people as I possibly can. And maybe in my own role-playing head, I can tell myself that I'm emotionally manipulating them in order to get what I want. Um, and I know that that sounds really messed up, but uh, honestly, I'm just trying to do something with this gameplay in order to engage me. Um, and I do appreciate, at least, that they do give you options to engage with uh, with other characters and and say what you kind of want to say. Although, the thing that frustrates me is that the dialogue wheel doesn't always 
reflect what your response is actually going to sound like. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I do recall that being quite a big problem, especially with Mass Effect 3. I think they tried to get a little bit more succinct in what they were displaying as opposed to what they were saying. Right. And so, you know, I heard that earlier games in the series did really telegraph, okay, this is the sort of morality choice or this is the sort of emotional approach you're going to be taking if you choose this dialogue option. I'm not seeing that here. And uh, sometimes the outcome is, again, a little a little frustrating. So I'm going to I think maybe I'll give this like one more week, but I don't see myself really getting invested in this all that much. It's okay though; I only paid twelve bucks for the game, and uh, for a for a Wii U game, uh, that's a pretty good bargain. So, speaking I, I of, is there been any like Wii U specific gamepad mechanics that have come up in your playtime so far? Uh, well, the only one that I engaged with was kind of positioning your party members at certain uh, points for when a, a so skirmish might use happen. the map. It's quite cool. Yeah, uh, which I thought was neat, and I would love to see more situations in which that happens. But again, I don't know how much gamepad functionality uh, EA shoved into this game. Uh, there, there are some Wii U games that I absolutely love for the game, the gamepad gimmicks. You know, Zombie U I think is such a great example of of like this sort of style of gameplay. And uh, you know, to hear that that game was ported to other systems always makes me laugh. Um, uh, yeah, it's like anyone playing that on another system is just missing out just everything that made Zombie U special at the time it came out. Yeah, and I, I really do like that game a whole lot. In fact, yep, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I might go so far as to go back and play it again. Uh, See, whereas I had to actually, because I don't have an SD card and I couldn't be bothered getting out my old hard drive for the Wii U, so I had to uninstall Zombie U uh, to allow me to have the 28 gigabytes required for Xenoblade oh Chronicles X. Yeah, well, and I mean, also, you know, no, no matter... Uh, no matter how much I'd love to have uh, X on the Switch, I think that losing that gamepad uh, functionality in terms of exploring the map and placing nodes uh, would be would uh, that's that's a part of the game that I loved uh, a great deal. There's a couple of other there's a couple of other games too that I would definitely champion as great gamepad games, um, and especially if you are a Wii U owner who's looking for stuff before the eShop shuts down you should uh, hit me up on twitter and that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> there are dozens of us dozens yes. oh there's single digits of us <laughs> i i did end up picking up this week uh the spirit tracks and phantom hourglass on the wii i made sure yeah, I, grabbed those. I picked up uh, phantom hourglass myself too i'm, I'm really looking Man. forward to seeing what that plays like on the game i pad. will say I like Spirit Tracks a whole lot more than Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, we we just funny because we yeah. I think we were the opposite way, weren't we, Evan? Yeah, we we talked about this the other week. I, and again, future, I, I get that completely. Um, they, these two games are two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, one has great uh, overworld exploration; the other one doesn't. One has mm-hmm. uh, kind of tedious dungeon design, and the other doesn't. So, I don't know. Hey, Nick, what was your quest? <laughs> uh, 
my quest was a frustrating RPG. Now, this in itself is a frustrating quest. Because, what is a frustrating RPG? A frustrating RPG is an RPG that makes you feel frustrated. Exactly. Thank you, Evan, for that dictionary definition. So, I, I had several several avenues here I was looking into. I was thinking, you know, is it is it an RPG that frustrated me because it disappointed me? But I thought, no, that's probably, you know, maybe a sequel's come out to something I, I loved and, and that's probably disappointing. But for me, it's probably fallen back to just a frustrating game that I should like. And I thoroughly don't understand why I don't like this game. And that is Pillars of Eternity. And I, thinking back, I know Evan and when when you and I first spoke before I joined this podcast, I think part of the conversation we had there was at the time I was playing Pillars of Eternity. And I was going back to it multiple times. It's got everything I liked, like a big rich story world. And, you know, I, I, I love the, the aesthetic of a, you know, I love the isometric view. I love the gameplay mechanics. I even, you know, the sort of stop-start combat is good for me. I don't always like action-y combat. The, the lore was rich. The, the characters were fascinating. There was different species. There's absolutely everything I should like in a game. But I just don't like it. And I don't know why. And it kind of frustrates me. I've gone back to it. I think I put out that time, whenever that was last year, about 20 hours into it. Every hour just seemed like a chore. But like I was sitting there at night going, I need to play some more of this game. I'm going to clock in an hour. I'm going to put in two hours of it tonight. And, and hopefully it opens up. Um, but it just never did. And that's pretty much where I sit on that. I don't have a lot to say. So this might be a short episode. But I, it just it frustrated me. And I, I loaded up this morning Pillars of Eternity 2. Because there was the announcement this week that Pillars of Eternity 2 for the Switch is finally cancelled. <laughs> Um, but it did get added to Game Pass, so I thought I'll load that up and, and have a play. And it looks like there's the... Uh, I'll give you the option straight up front of turn-based or real-time with pause, so I might might try it with turn-based. I know the, the Switch version sort of had a, a mechanic that you know allowed the gameplay to pause quite a bit, but this might just be enough to get me into it. Maybe it was playing it with the switch controller just really didn't do it for me. And I need to jump on the PC and, and try it a bit more there. But that's, that's sort of where I landed on that. And it's just, I, it's kind of like when I spoke about the Witcher three, um, for, you know, it's just a game that it bothers me that I don't like it because there's nothing in there. Well, the Witcher had the control mechanisms. I really didn't enjoy, but both games just have, a lot of what I would think I would enjoy in a game. If I sat down, looked at it on paper, I'd be like, this is a me game. This is a game I'm going to thoroughly enjoy. And to just sit there and feel like it's a chore when I know it's not a bad game because, you know, anyone else I've played that's loved it is like, this is a great game. It's it's so well made. And you've got, I think, the the team, was it Larian Studios? They're making Baldur's Gate 3, which is due um later this year which i'll no doubt jump on that and have a look because i've enjoyed some of the boulders gate games before but yeah that's that's where i sit with this i, I know evan you've played a bit of pillars of eternity future do you have any history with the i do with the franchise? and i think it's the fact that 
I realized that Chris Avalon really only has a couple of tricks in his pocket. And when he goes back to that well, I was like, oh, mm, I don't know if I like this or not. Like, like Durant is just the edgiest bro ever. And I realized I need a little more nuance in my characters. Um, I did like playing a chanter because I love the idea of having to be able to like stack buffs and like keep them going as like a mechanic. But everything else left me kind of whelmed. You know, I'm going to say yep. one of the reasons that I don't like the original Pillars of Eternity is that it really does feel like a game with a pedigree, right? You go into that game and they throw a whole lot of stuff at you that is, of course, an adaptation of a lot of D&D systems, but it's also telegraphed or maybe not really telegraphed to the the player um, because they kind of have an expectation that you've played other, uh, is it, what is it? Obsidian games, right? Yeah. They, they, they also they really... did the Planescape, you know, that's the big one. Right. Right. And and like listen, I again I, I appreciate the the one thing that I, I do respect a whole lot about this genre of RPG is that there really is a storytelling focus and they are trying to emphasize story over I don't know what has been an increasing uh, sort of focus on looking cool in gameplay. But at the same time, I think that future, you're right. Pillars of Eternity is retreading a whole lot of uh, previously covered ground. And some of the new ideas that it presents don't really, they kind of feel like shoehorned ways of getting the things that people loved about older Obsidian games into this game. Um, and again, if you don't really have any history with those games, you're probably not going to enjoy it uh, all that much. Also, Yes, and I will correct myself because obviously I said Larian Studios before, but it is Obsidian. I do confuse Larian and Obsidian a lot. Yeah. Well, they're kind of in the original same. Sin, yeah. Yeah, I get that. And I will say as like the like thinking of recent real-time with pause games that i've enjoyed i enjoyed tyranny a lot more than i did pills of eternity like now that i think back on it yeah yeah and I've, I've heard tyranny is great too that's uh that's a game that i'd be really curious about um and also nick one other thing i will say uh i think you did a disservice to yourself playing pillars of eternity on a console because god yeah <laughs> I, I really think so <laughs> these games but, uh, see, even just the, the 15 minutes i played this morning of um pillars of eternity 2 on the pc i was like oh yeah this is why games like diablo were always much better on the pc right yeah it's just the they they play different on something that gives you a lot more uh, control in a very different way right Definitely. Um, and I, I i found that to be an issue with a number of of ports to consoles um, any last thoughts about this, or can we bury uh, Pillars of Eternity? I think we can bury it, but I've also just realized that Obsidian Entertainment also made South Park the Stick of Truth. So, which, which I liked the which, first one more than the second one. I I, I was exactly the same. Um, what was the second one? The something shattered, but whole? shattered but whole. The f the fractured. Yeah, yeah something fractured, like that. But yeah, but yeah no. 
the the first one yeah i really enjoyed that game and i think it just came out of nowhere and was quite clever um i should probably jump back because they're they're out on the switch i think i did pick up the stick of truth they are yeah when it was on sale they are last year or so yeah but yeah no that's it i progressed not 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 a lot there it's just frustration but maybe I'll, I'll pick up number two. Like I said, it's on Game Pass. I've got it installed now. I'll have a look. See if see if there's anything there that, that sparks for me. Perfect. Alrighty. I guess that means that we need to get into quest roles. And uh, I had looked at some time to look over the job list. And I would yes. like to take on a job <laughs> if that's possible. Excellent. Get a job, future. Yeah, we're, we're sick of supporting you and your log cabin retreats. <laughs> your freelancer. Your free, your freelancer, more like freeloader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go ahead and become a blue mage. Well, alrighty then. Do you want to explain to the audience what a blue mage does uh, in yes. this version? As the classic blue mage mimics monster spells for their own power, the blue mage in our podcast can mimic a co-host's quests, but I remain at the same spot on the board. And I have to wait until everyone has announced their roles and what their quest is before I use my ability. It's basically, right. if, I, so- if I see something interesting that I'm like, oh, I really want to talk about this, I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump on it myself. <laughs> yeah, take that quest rather than your own. Uh, nice little. Now, where, where does where does that sit in our agility ranking? I'm assuming probably dead last, post the alchemist. Uh, post. well, I guess it it well. would benefit them the most, right? Maybe I guess I don't mm. know. I don't know that blue. Are blue mages all that slow? What what's our Final Fantasy lore? Gotta say about um, this. Fun, but broken. And you kind of you have to really know the game to get any use out of them. Sure, but in terms of stat distribution, are blue mages usually slow? Uh, I don't remember speed-wise, unfortunately. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. I know they're, they're really fun, and, you know, playing in a blue mage in 14 is extra fun. Because li- But the alchemists have Ryza and Rorona and Sophie on their side. Yeah. So they are more fun. Yeah, the problem is... Like, you kind of feel weird about playing those games with other people around. Because you're like, mm, this is leaning a little much, like... Mm. Eh, it's cute girls doing why, cute stuff. The, it's cute girls doing cute stuff. That's why they're on the Switch, stuff. so you can I, play I, them. I know, I love me away. some Atelier. I've been a fan ever since, God, Iris on the PS2. Just, I just know that sometimes I'm just like, ooh, like... If someone were to see me playing this without any context, they would have some weird like assumptions about who I am as a person. I mm, I think like when it... <laughs> I think it all comes down to what DLC costumes you pick up. Um, none. I just get more uh, gathering areas and quests. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I avoid. Then, I avoid right, the. I, swim... I, I think we're going blue mage last. <laughs> yeah. Blue Mage last, yeah, I, avoid, I think. I avoid swimsuit DLC like the plague. No, nothing good ever ha- <laughs> nothing good ever happens in swimsuit DLC in any RPG. No, no, no. The the words hot springs have triggered me to uh, to oblivion. Uh, <laughs> except in Xenoblade when you've got Shulk in his uh his bathers 
you know, especially being a the the costume hey, in Smash Brothers Ma- is just great. Monolith <laughs> Monolith did me dirty by forcing me into a hot spring scene in Xenoblade Two, and 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 also you know Shulk is like a semi adult. This isn't like when you have you know. A Neptunia or whatever, you're like, oh no. Yeah, those games get weird. That's why Evans banned them from conversation now. <laughs> Have I? Yeah. All right. <laughs> should, should, should we roll? Yeah, let's let's, let's do, do that. this. <laughs> Please, God. Future, future, do you want to go first? I will go last. I will go. I will go first oh. for the roll, but I will decide. Yes, yeah. I think last for the quest. I think is a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So let me go ahead. Bring up my app. All right, D6. Do me proud. A one. I mean, I'll do the rolling sound for you if you really don't have one available. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and all right, that wasn't really all that impressive. Uh, what'd you get, future? A one. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe you want to hold on to uh, on to that job ability. Uh, yeah. That would leave you at. Uh, why don't you read out your quest? Uh, yeah, let me actually... Oh, I've closed the quest list. Uh, wait, 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 or did I? Wait, uh, yeah, I, okay, there we go. Uh, a non-RPG that you think qualifies as an RPG. Hmm. Cool, we look forward to hearing about Spirit Tracks next week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you joke! <laughs> I, I, I may actually do it! <laughs> do it, do it, just to see, just to hear Evan. <laughs> Have fun editing. It's a, ha- a long-standing gripe. <laughs> Somebody, someone's gonna have fun editing my exasperated screams out of this. Oh, I think it's your turn this week, uh, isn't it? Great, great. <laughs> uh, Nick, why don't you go next? All right, let's roll the little die. I've rolled a five. Which, which, hallelujah, brings me down to the boss battle. Play an RPG of your co-host's choosing, or play an RPG chosen by the audience. Have we had any audience suggestions, Evan? Uh, no. <laughs> no, we haven't. Um, but I guess since, Nick, you you chose my game, I think it's only fair that Future uh, resigns you to your fate. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Nick, remind me what you have in terms of availability, in terms of systems and whatnot. I have a... What have I got here? I've got a Famicom. I've got 12 GameCubes. Uh, a 64 Mega Drive. Or as a Genesis, as you kids might know it as. Game Gear. But then modern consoles, I've got Switch. I've got a PS4 and an Xbox Series S. And PC. Hmm. Okay, well... That puts my first one. Pl- plenty of options. That puts my first choice off the list because I was gonna recommend Operation Darkness for the Xbox 360, which is a World War II strategy RPG with werewolves and like vampires and stuff. But um, can I can I do can I you guys do your other uh, um Evan do your quest and I'll probably come in with my recommendation at um in a little bit. I need to think about. I also want to see what your quest is to see if I can um you know snag it. Well, I think I'm actually still stuck at my boss battle because I have oh, not right. yet really settled. Um, and to be honest, I, I'd kind of like to uh, 
you know, just give maybe one more uh, episode buffer between you and I before I head back to the beginning of the quest board, now at level two. Okay, makes sense. Let me... Nick, I'm just going to throw this out here while uh, maybe Future thinks thinks of things. Firstly, why does Operation Darkness cost $100 on eBay? Because it only uh, came out for the 360 and had a small printing. That's mental. Also, <laughs> you, the video game uh, <laughs> rebuying market is just insane right now anyway. Yeah, but the 360's not... That's just except uh, except for the Wii U, surprisingly, where you can get Mass Effect yeah. Legendary Edition for twelve dollars. Which, as we all know from when I uh, spoke about it, what ten episodes ago, there is an exclusive weapon in that game available only on the Wii U. So I want you to track that gun down and give us a nice review of it, Evan. Yeah, sure. Find it for us. I'll screen. I'll <laughs> screenshot the lore behind it too. So uh, please do. Save please do. Update series. the Wikipedia page. I think it was a stub entry. I have um, my oh I have my decision by the way. Um okay. Sorry, I was just thinking about it. Um Nick, since you were talking about you want to try RPGs that aren't the fantasy cookie cutter mold. Um mm-hmm. I know I talked about this game the last time I was on, but I want someone else to talk about it with. So you are going to be getting a troubleshooter. Okay, I've searched on my PC and now have Microsoft Troubleshooter. Open. Troubleshooter <laughs> uh, colon abandoned children. Uh, that's a that's a good life philosophy. Yes, it is. How do we go? That's overwhelmingly positive on Steam. Uh oh, that's not a good sign. What do you mean it's not a good <laughs> sign? You know, you know what you know what they say about positively reviewed games on Steam. That's the bare minimum? No, I mean, I was asking you. You Do you know what they say about positive? Uh, oh, well, that, th- that I think anything that says at least positive is decent. Anything below that is, who boy, get the hints. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, well, with that being said, Nick, is it something that you feel comfortable uh, picking up? Yeah, no, this is, this is looking quite, quite interesting. Well, alrighty then. I'll um no, definitely. I'll I'll pick this one up. I'll have a hunt around, see where the best place to get it from. But it looks nice and easy to acquire, which is nice, just on Steam. Listen, I'm I'm just waiting to threaten someone with playing Crimson Shroud because the last time I asked somebody to do that, they literally left the podcast. <laughs> would you believe that would be my choice for a less than twenty hour RPG? I would. I, I would it. believe it. Yeah, but if just, you were if you were to if you were to blue mage uh, Nick's quest this episode, you'd end up playing that game. I'll leave it. No, that that game takes a certain mindset and insanity. I, I'm looking on Google, and when I search for troubleshooter abandoned children, I'm getting a lot of suggestions for books about abandoned children. <laughs> <laughs> well, alrighty then. Well, uh, if if Nick, you don't have any plans to uh, royally screw with uh, Future's role, uh, as well as... No, I think I'm good. I think that's probably going to be it for our roles this week, which means we should remind the folks at home who we are, where you can find us, and, well, I mean, not literally, but <laughs> well, if you, if you want to reach out to us. Uh, so, of course, we or this podcast is available probably wherever you might listen. 
to podcasts. We're on Google. We're on uh, Apple. We are also on Spotify um, and a couple of others as well. Uh, we have a Twitter account. We also do have an Instagram, which I am going to be up uh, updating with some pictures of some of my collector's editions because uh, I've realized that uh, a whole lot of people might not know that I I do love me a good collector's edition. I was this close to getting the Earthmate edition for Rune Factory 5 until I uh, heard some not-so-great things about that game, but uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, I will have to send. I will have to send you a couple pictures. Then I have the Char statue from the collector's edition release of Guild Wars Two, and he stabbed me. So, yeah. So it's got authentic blood. Yes. Impressive. Uh, so yes, again, you can find us on Twitter. I believe also on uh, on Instagram at RPG Podquest. If you ever do want to send us any quests or questions, uh, you can. Send us uh, some email at rpgpodquest at gmail.com. Um, fellas, fellow Roonies, where can they find you? I will let Nick go first. Excellent. They can find me at RPG Nick. That's with two eyes. Uh, I made my first tweet in about four weeks. So happy to do that. Uh, having a think, though, I, I might try and take some pictures to send to you, Evan, for the Instagram. I actually ended up picking up this week a... CRT TV, a little Sony PMV. It's about um, six inches across. So I was very happy with my 3 a.m. eBay purchase. <laughs> so I'll, um, I'm going to set that up today and have a tinker. So we'll, uh, we'll get some nice glow pictures. Well, I hope you have fun with that. I certainly will. D- did you know, Nick, that there's a, uh, there's a Twitter account um, that tweets out the differences between emulated games and games as they're depicted on CRT TVs. Ooh. I did not. I, I, I'm sure I could probably pull up if I were to stall for just a hot second more. Uh, Why Future tells us how we can find him. <laughs> future? Oh, good Lord. We've lost him. Have we really? Is there? Uh, I'll pretend to be Future. Hello, my name is Future. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Well, by well, fu- looking to the future. <laughs> well, Future and mysteriously uh, similar, similarly sounding Nick. Uh, if you <laughs> if you ever uh, head over to at CRT Pixels, uh, it's a great uh, Twitter account that shows the difference between. Uh, again, emulated games and uh, their depiction on CRT TVs. And it really does help you uh, appreciate the sort of artistry that existed and how uh, how a lot of artists knew their uh, pixel art was going to be interpreted. Um, you really do get to appreciate things like dithering a whole lot more. Cool. Yeah, no, I've just followed it. That's really cool. Future, are you there to offer your... Uh, Twitter tag? Nope. Good lord. What is it? Has he got it in the show notes? Uh, he does not, but... Uh... Oh, well. If you want to find Future, listen to two episodes before where he said his Twitter handle. And then you can find him there. I think that's it, Evan. I think we're done. Yeah, at Future underscore. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's what it is. spelt F-E-W-T-U-R-E. 
don't know if that's his Twitter handle, but that's how he spells future. So good luck with that. It is. Anyway, do your best. You 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 make that your quest this week, audience. Try, yes. try to find future um, because we can't find him right now. And that's just something that happens in the glorious world of podcast recording. Uh, <laughs> so with that being said, Nick, I think it's time for us to head out on our quests. I think so. Fare thee well. <laughs> Everybody... Take care, and uh, we'll see you when we are on our way back. for just a hot second more uh, why future tells us how we can find him yes um <laughs> you can find me on twitter at future, future? with two underscores and future is spelled f-e-w-t-u-r-e um, minor is there? content warning uh i'll pretend to be future hello my name is future <laughs> you can find me on twitter oh, well by well, future. looking to the future <laughs> well future and mysteriously uh similar similarly sounding nick uh if you if you ever uh head over to at crt pixels uh it's a great uh, twitter account that shows the difference between uh, again emulated games and uh, 32-bit games okay